It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. Every Thursday, already know. a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Sam, and welcome to the Money Moves podcast, powered by Greenwood. Hey, Money Movers, I'm Tanya Sam, and this is the Money Moves podcast, powered by Greenwood. Right now, there is no dancing around it. We have a big name, a celeb in the house with us a celeb and friend, the name is Killer Mike. And the list of accomplishments is endless. Where do I even begin to start? Killer Mike, you are an artist, an activist, an entrepreneur. You own multiple businesses. You're also a husband, a television producer, and someone I am very proud to call a friend. But let's break it down. You're busy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'm a kid from the west side of Atlanta. I grew up on Carrier. Um, in the Collier Heights community, right on Collier Drive. I went to Frederick Douglass High School after Collier Heights Elementary and later went to Morehouse. After a year in Morehouse, I left to pursue music. Got a record deal the same year I would have graduated. So worst mistake I made was dropping out for music. But with that said, <laughs> music is treating me well. Um, I earned a Grammy um, on a song called The Whole World Without oh, Cast. I went on a mixtape run and built my own company with um, Grind Time. And for the last eight years, I've been in a group called Run the Jewels, which is one of the most heavily touring rap groups in the world. We did about 123 shows before COVID closed. And next year, as Rage Against the Machine reunites for a world tour, we'll be the opener That's for That's huge. The thing that kills me about this is what a diverse list of interests and you haven't even hit upon all of them. So super happy to have you on the show today. And I want to dive in because, you know, you talk about your rap accolades, you talk about this. We haven't even got to the business piece, but we're here and we're talking about Greenwood. So I want to start off by, you know, asking you, what was it that drew you to get involved with Greenwood? Well, I mean, first of all, 
um, Paul Judge is incredible in terms of the tech world. So it made a lot of sense to when, you know, you get a call from Paul and Ryan Glover to say, hey, we want to have food with you and talk about some stuff. You go, you know, you're like, all right, it was a long night in studio last yeah. night, but I guess I'll be having lunch at decent people hours. And um, Ryan had built successful companies that I saw. Paul had built successful companies. Mm-hmm. But and I was I was already in with them asking, getting a chance to talk to my friend and mentor since I've been 15 years old, Andy yep. Young. And when Andy told me how things similar to Greenwood had been able to help poor And when you say Andy, you mean Ambassador Andy Young, who's really yeah. like a civil rights and icon in the city of Atlanta. Yeah, and somebody your audience should know. So if you yeah. if you hear me say a name you don't know, it's important. Go Google it, right? Andy was not only a former U.S. ambassador, mm-hmm. former congressman from Georgia, um, served in Jimmy, um, Jimmy Carter's administration, but most importantly into my direct life, since all politics is local, he was the mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and provided an, an amazing example for people from my side of town to aspire toward. He lived right in Southwest Atlanta. I grew up on the West side, the bottom of the Northwest side. Um, went to Frederick Douglass. His son went to my rival school, Mace. Bo was also a partner. So I believe steel sharpens steel. Yes. And I believe that black excellence yes. creates more excellence and that excellence is better for the greater community. So I grew up in an enclave that was totally ran for by um, black people and worked in symbiotic symbiotic relationship with the, with the wider community. Um, so 1996, Andy brought $40 billion into Atlanta. $11 billion of that went directly into the black community, black businesses. I'm not talking about charity, I'm talking about business. <clears throat> so when Andy, who classically wasn't a money guy, mm-hmm. says to me, Mike, this is valuable and this is why, I was not only all in, I was all in and also a friend to everybody who was doing it because Andy has never done um, anything, in my opinion, that would diverse, that would adversely affect my community. Absolutely. And, and, and most of the things that Andy Young had done has helped my community. But I also think you've been, you're a perfect example of looking towards a generation before you and being inspired to act upon it. Because this is nothing new for you. You've always been passionate about talking about how to recirculate black and brown dollars within our communities. You've done television programs highlighting this. So, you know, it's like you took his torch and you are continuing to carry it on, not just with Greenwood, but other of your own independent activities. Can you tell us a little bit more about those as well and why this resonates so clearly with you? Well, man, I was definitely mentored by Andy, but also people like Reverend James Orange from um, Walter Cleveland, uh, the late you know, James Walt and um, Reverend Love, um, Albert E. Love are gone. But all these people remember the SCLC, all these people remember, you know, local grassroots organizations. So for me, I've been given a responsibility. You know, Andy didn't pour all that into my cup for me to just simply mm-hmm. hold it in my cup and then Richard take care of myself. Um, I have businesses in the community. Uh, we have a a brand called the Swag Shop, which is a barber shop, but we do a heck of a lot more in retail Love than that. we do at the barber shop. So you come get your haircut, but you also, I call it the man's Victoria's Secret, right? You go to Victoria's <laughs> Secret three times a year, right? As a man, I would go on Valentine's Day, her birthday, and Christmas. My wife will go to Victoria's Secret every week because she right. buys pink, she buys the perfume. She buys, so what we've done in the barber shop is figure out how to get people or how to get men to make us a point of sale for everything, whether you need t-shirts, whether you yeah. need shapes and bombs, that stuff. So I've learned a lot from growing a business. I learned to be patient. I learned it takes time. I've learned that although you may start investing your own capital, ultimately that's not what you want to be doing. So this is the way you go out and find capital. Right. Um, I have, as a creative, had to retrain my brain for how I look at things prospectively in matters of business. So the creative side of my brain 
works as well as it ever did, but I've had to grow and mature from a business aspect. And that's why I really value being in a circle of people like Bo, Paul, Ryan, because they don't tell you wrong. They just say, here's an alternative to doing this. Here's an alternative to you where usually you would go do a show. They pay you $100,000, $150,000 to do a show. Put it in your pocket. Take, put it in your pocket, then you go put that into whatever business you want. Well, no, now you don't get to do that. You get to actually put your money to the side, shelter your money how you need, put some for your retirement. But you've built a relationship with banks, you've built a relationship with credit, where now you can go get the credit you go to make the purchase so that that purchase can pay for itself. And prime example is my wife and I, um, we rented uh, the spaces for our first two barbershops. I'm right. like, man, we aren't going anywhere. It's been six, seven years. We always pay these people on time. Why don't we get into buying the spaces? That's And this is, I mean, talk about this, because this is so interesting, because you've gone from, you know, a musical creative, I might say visionary genius in that sector, to now I entrepreneurship, think. and you're branching into all these other multiple streams of income. And real estate yeah. is one of the ones that I think within our community, people have such a huge misconception about. Number one, they're like, renting is fine. The best I should do is just pay my rent on time. And you and Shay are brilliant people. And like, as you've said, you've learned a lot along the way. So let's dive into this piece of like, how your views on how to, you know, gain wealth in the real estate market have sort of evolved and changed. Well, let me give you this. My great grandparents um, were the children of people who were enslaved. Mm -hmm. They worked, and I say this not on some old, you know, this is the family mythology I've been told. No, I knew my great grandparents. I knew my big daddy, Nathaniel Blackman. I knew my big mom, Truzella Blackman. It's beautiful. We got shipped to their farm in Tuskegee, Alabama. We had to cut sugar cane. We had to, you know, you had to go get the eggs from the chicken. You had to, all you had to be self-sustaining. These people um, were wealthy because they left their children acres of land from sharecropping. They left their children over 25 acres. Say that again. Um, I mean, that's just, that story right there. I I, I mean, I would just want to share that to the rooftops. These are sharecroppers, people who, you know, grew up in a time when they couldn't even own land, but had the foresight to be like, if I own this land, I can pass it down generation. And here you are sitting here saying like they were wealthy. Like this Uh, happens in our community. Now they, they didn't have gaudy things. They weren't rich. My grandmother said for Christmas, they would get potato sack draws and fruit. And my grandfather said, that was Christmas. It wasn't no Christmas for me at all because right. he was from a poor family. Yeah. But my grandparents were my great grandparents were wealthy because the land that they left is still in our family. And last year, me and my sisters got our few hundred dollars from the you know, timber company that cuts down. So this land still feeds. It still yes. does stuff for us. And it'll continue to stay in our land. The mouth, my grandparents' homes that they own, God bless the dead. My sisters and I own. I bought multiple um, commercial and single family homes on the side of town I was from mm-hmm. because affordable housing needs to be in Atlanta. And people who work in the city, my grandmother moved to Atlanta 1950. She walked to nursing school, got a nursing degree, on, walked nurse. back home every day, ended up buying a house on the same street on the better side. So my thing is, that's a story that I have to live up to. Yep. I have a responsibility to make sure that even though I sing and dance for a living, to not lose my fortune through selling my publishing. I have a responsibility to maintain as much control over my masters as possible. Yes. I have a responsibility to grow and plant businesses while I'm here. And I have a greater responsibility to make sure that I leave something for my great grandchildren that, that may or may not know me. I was at, I was at my daughter's um, commencement speech yesterday where I had heard as she graduated. And a Jamaican woman gave the gave a speech and she said, my great grandfather told my father, I'm planting this tree of mangoes 
so that one day my great-grandchildren will eat from them. Ooh. And this woman says, as I sat in Jamaica, eating mangoes till my stomach was ready to burst, I realized that a man I'd never met Left cared for me enough to leave something for me to nourish me. And that's simply my motivation for business. I don't I like getting up doing the meetings. My wife is better at that than me. I don't oftentimes like sitting through the numbers, but I've learned that the numbers matter most in terms of making sure everything is accounted for. That's right. But what I've learned to love is knowing that the actions and the small steps I take right now will benefit my grandchildren and my grandchildren. I love how you say that. I love how you say that because sometimes it's tough. It's sometimes, you know, it's not stuff that we love, but if you focus on loving the end result, all that doesn't matter. All that doesn't matter because we're eating from this mango tree until we are like overflowing with abundance. So talk about, um, if we go back to the real estate piece, you know, you and Shay had this revelation where you're like, we're renting, you know, our forefathers are literally going, no, no, no. Um, yeah. I, I feel like this cue, this keys into the Greenwood piece a lot and what we're really trying to do when Greenwood launches with being able to um, afford people the ability to get real estate loans. Even though yeah. you, you know, you're know you a famous celebrity, talk about your struggles um, and s- somewhat in the banking relationships and being able yeah. to get loans. Well, I, it's about having a relationship. So banks seem to, 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 to most people, banks are big, huge, faceless corporations, mm-hmm. right? Um, black banks in my black banking initiative six, seven years ago really showed black people that no, banks are still something very localized. Citizens Trust Bank was my first bank account. Um, To this day, I I know I keep at least a couple hundred thousand dollars with them, you know, for, 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 you know, just just because they were the first. So I'm always going to keep some money there. Um, They taught me the discipline of banking. As my grandmother taught me to balance a checkbook, it was a citizen's trust checkbook. She made sure that I knew the importance of back banking. But beyond that, even local banking, a lot of times you have local banks and you have banks that tilt and understand communities. Greenwood is a bank that understands communities. So as I open barbershops, most big banks, um, most banks that are not culturally where I'm from are not going to understand the necessity of a barbershop. Because people who aren't African, um, aren't a part of the African diaspora, don't get their haircut every week. Most black men in the diaspora are going to get their haircut one every two weeks. So you have a residual customer coming. But then they'll look at it and say, well, you're doing booth rent. You aren't doing commission. So then you say, "Okay, well, I need to switch to commissions. I'll take a bigger portion of me and the barbers essentially become partners. You say to yourself, "Okay, but I'm still only making um, this amount um, per month and this amount per year. Then you have the revelation that as a man, I don't want to go in the beauty store to buy my brush. I need beard oil. Man, I need some T-shirts to match these Jordans. I need a lighter. I need a a bottle opener. And I just simply say, oh, my wife. All this stuff. It's inherent to our culture. You don't have to explain this when you sit in front of, you know, the founders of Greenwood because they're black men. Absolutely. So when I show them the numbers then, this is what we've done over the course of the last 90, 180, and 365 days. Mm-hmm. It turns it into a radically different conversation with any bank, but especially with the bank that has the practicality to understand your community and where it's coming from. I tell people all the time, churches, liquor stores, and barbershops don't go out of business in the black community. Beauty shops as well. Just don't. Because if you're good, you stand by what you do, you have an integrity there. Everything else is alcohol and Jesus. But I really think that <laughs> we have... I really think we have the ability to grow. So I I am one of the businesses that I wish to help. And in regards to renting in real estate, um, we still rent two spaces, you know. Mm -hmm. But what I start seeing was things like one, two, three door strip malls come up for sale. 
So Shane and I said, so why don't we start targeting those and we become the landlords while other people who are in our position want small business owners. We know you can make eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars a month rent. You know, you're going to make that rent and it gives you a time to really launch and grow your business yes. before you jump into twenty three, twenty five and three thousand dollar a month, you know, rents. And so now we get an opportunity to not only buy spaces to put our barber shops and then pay ourselves rent, but to so help you, other you entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. And, and my wife is, like is a very epitome. brilliant woman. She is an incredible force. And the two of you are an incredibly dynamic duo together. And Atlanta is so happy to have you because what you're doing is the epitome of, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. You're helping to recirculate the dollars. You're giving opportunity yeah. to entrepreneurs that otherwise would have not been able to start their business, to feed their families, and then therefore create generational wealth. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, to live and die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. So... Mike, tell me, you know, you've changed the trajectory of your career from singing and dancing, and now you've taken this leap into entrepreneurship. Tell our Money yeah. Moves audience um, some of the advice to what it takes to get started and be successful in entrepreneurship, and also taking a leap into different areas of uh, career changes. So I'm in a very successful rap group that gets treated as a rock group. So we, we <laughs> tour with rock bands. We do 100 shows a year. We make a lot of money, you know, all right? With that said, I never gave up um, on solo rap. So I took some time and, you know, recorded some cool things that got placed in some sinks and stuff that brought a little more money in. But I didn't need the money and I didn't need a Bentley. You know, I like my Hellcat. Um, what I decided to do was put away more money for our stocks and bonds, put away more mm. money for our retirement fund. But again, to become landlords, to find real estate that's in that middle area, whether it's affordable apartments that are coming into Atlanta, we're part of an investment group on mm -hmm, whether it mm -hmm. is um, strip malls to do that. But I learned this stuff not from just the hugely successful people I knew, right? I learned this stuff from my grandparents. Yes. I learned that you live below your means. I learned that you and your partner have a true partnership and you have full disclosure and transparency in terms of money. Right. I live my life the exact same way my grandfather does. My grandmother knew what he made and the check came home Fridays. My wife knows when the check's coming and when it's landing, right? Yep. We discuss what we're doing with the checks that gets done and we proceed because we have a trajectory we're pointing toward. Yep. I don't want to have to work in five years. I don't want my wife to ever have to work for another man, mm -hmm. right? I don't. The only way we do that is work incredibly hard. Now, for people who want to be entrepreneurs, if you don't like working 40 hours a week for someone else, then understand you're going to work 150 hours a week. For Say yourself. that again. Ugh. If you don't like working 40 hours for someone else, get prepared to work 150 for yourself. You're going to be working so hard. You're going to think you're whipping your own ass to slap. I mean, slap. that is the truth. You yeah. know, this idea, this misnomer that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're literally on the beach working five hours a day while everybody else does. The, it's just not true. You will never be successful like that. And I mean, uh, say that again. He, you heard it right there. I tell Shay sometimes, I say, when you're working from bed and you imagine a woman with fruit and silk gowns on, but it's usually her, her glasses are crooked, her yep. scarf is across the way, and she's solving a problem via the internet before she runs out the door to make a meeting. You know, it's it's important that you understand. Um, there's a woman I follow named AKA Anundrum. Um, mm -hmm. and I want people to follow her. Um, she's like a sister. She gives say her, brilliant Say her name again so we, catch, we can catch it's, it. It's, it's, it's a, I'll give you the spelling. It's AKA um, Anundrum. Um, okay, we'll find her. We always yeah, take well, recommendations. I'll, 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 pull, I'll pull her up so people can see her. Because what she does is give, um, she gives people amazing advice. She doesn't, she's not charging you tons of money. This mm -hmm. is her for people who want it. Okay, we got her. Okay. So this sister, like 
is is to me one of the most prolific people in IG because she helps you solve very simple problems. So if you if you go buy something, you should LLC it. If you if you if you make a dollar, you should make sure that you only use a quarter of it and figure out saving seventy five percent. You know, you, they're very and this is stuff I just learned from my grandparents. Yep. You know, my grand my my my, grandf- my grandmother. I never forget the first time I bought a hundred and twenty dollar check in from Chuck E. Cheese. I was like, man, I'm balling, man. I'm finna go buy some J's. She <laughs> the whole check a, is gone. <laughs> she took a hundred dollars of my money and left me with 20 bucks. And so I what's really money. interesting about that is my dad is from Ghana. He was born and raised there. And there is this tradition there that when your children, you know, graduate from school and make their first check from their first job, you have to give it all back to your parents. Your parents. Because it's like, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've taught me. And I remember that day came around and my dad put his hand out and I was like, but really? And he was like, yep. Yeah. And he, the point is they take it and they save it for you. That's what I was going to give people. So after I graduate high school and go to college in a second citizen's trust account, not my main one, which I usually floated, kept about 200 bucks in at that time, there is a thousand dollars saved for me. From all those checks that she just took, that she was a bully. But yeah. but I understood, I understood, and I understand. And now, um, in parenting my children, I get to use some of those lessons. But you know, people, a lot of it is is to me start small and scale up. Start small First, and scale can up. I control? Mm-hmm. Can I practice self control and self discipline with my money? Right? Can I do that? Next, is it possible? Is it possible for me to put something aside, not only from a savings but investing? So if you can't go invest and build a business, what are the things that you like that you wear? Do you eat at Chuck E. Cheese? Do you wear Nikes? Is Polo a favorite company of yours? Put the money you would have put into buying some of those things into buying shares. Absolutely. Little things like this. Coca-Cola and Delta were my first stocks my grandparents bought for me in kindergarten. I stupidly sold those stocks in my freshman year of college because I just didn't know any better. I kick myself in the butt all the time because these two people, one was formally educated, one was functionally illiterate. These two people were way smarter than me for most of my life about money because they respected the coin. They took care of it because it was took care of us. So my grandparents had one house that we lived in. Mm-hmm. They had another house that they rented out. You know, today mm-hmm. you have Airbnb and stuff. They just mm-hmm. had old folks that rented, right. that didn't need affordable rent. My grandfather kept that house. One of my sisters lives in the grandmother's. One of my sisters lives in the grandfather's. But that house that produced rent all those years was the reason we went on vacation. So I got a chance, unlike many of my classmates, to explore the southeast, to go to places like Florida, the Panhandle, to fish, deep sea fish. Because my grandfather, who drove a dump truck and sold moonshine, said this rent will make sure these children can go on vacation world culture and even if it is in the southeast or you know you got out of town you got to see different things and what i appreciate so much about you being so candid about sharing these stories is that oftentimes people are like well i didn't come from a parental background where they taught me these things well you're here right now listening to it so you can't use that anymore there's somebody that tried to teach you yep it might have not have been the person you love the most might not have been the person you like the best but somebody, everybody got an uncle or aunt or someone that cares enough. Take that little bit of advice, take some more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that you gain and just build it. We have to stop seeing ourselves as the, the point or pinnacle of the pyramid. We are the foundation. 
Yes. We are the four corners of this pyramid. We have only been free about 59 years in this country. Mm -hmm. We've had to fight redlining, not being insured, land confiscation, unfair treatment with GI Bill and farmers. Not before you even get to slavery and Jim yep. Crowism, before you even get to that. So go easy on yourself. Don't go too hard. Yep. Start small with good self-discipline and taking care of yourself. And then make sure that you help someone in the family understand you help your neighbor and organize from a community effort standpoint. If there's a plot of land that's an eyesore in your community, why haven't you got five, 10 neighbors together and said, to we're going to buy up. this plot. We're going to create a community garden. People in this community will be able to take from this. You have to get innovative. Now, I know here people see this, right? And then they see white folk protest. They think you got there from some white folk. But that's not where I got there from. I got there from a bunch of old black folks in right. Collier Heights because that's what they did. Yes. My yes. sister has a garden that currently feeds about six or seven families. My sister was the wow. She liked to go to the clubs, have fun. But my grandmother made her learn gardening. You better get you down know, here sister. after you go to your club and you tend this garden. <laughs> And you, you know what I love garden. about this is the message that you're also telling us, it's not about, hey, let somebody else do it. You are looking people straight in the eye and saying, you do it. You do it. They're not going to do it for you and your family. Yeah. Absolutely. We celebrated Brother Malcolm X's birthday a day or two ago. Brother Malcolm let you know that you're going to have to do for self. Yes. The oppressor is not going to give you the education to free you. The oppressor is not going to give you the information to free you. The oppressor is not going to give you the encouragement to free you. None you have that. to free yourself. None of you that. have to. And it's possible we can do it. You know, we have done it. Yep. But when we celebrate the 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 the, the centennial of, of Greenwood and Tulsa, right? That this 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 district that this bank and this and the Greenwood, the whiskey are named for, when we celebrate that, we have to understand that this self-determination is what more than burning a town down, yes. what they did was break or try to break the self-determination. But that self-determination is not broke. Yep. Those people are still as hard as, as hard working as they've ever been in Montgomery in Birmingham, in Atlanta, in Charlotte, in Tampa, you know, Every we have to say to ourselves that we have a tradition of winning too. We mm. don't, we're not only stuck from a place of losing or being denied or being taken from. Break that. Black people, yes. Black people have repeatedly shown the brown people in this country, immigrants in this country have repeatedly shown ourselves not only worthy, mm -hmm. but beyond worthy in terms of what we have. You know, we have the ability to influence this culture and to give something to our community and a greater community. And I'm just proud to be a part of Greenwood because it allows me to do that past art. I love being an artist. I love telling people, believe in yourself, you can do it. And that's nice, right? But I also love my uncle who was a mechanic who could fix your car. That's right. And Greenwood is a banking institution is this. It is a opportunity for you to take the phone in your hand, to take control of your financial literacy in life. Yes. To start to say, I'm going to spend this much and save this much. And then graduate to the next level and say, I'm going to get a car loan and a home loan. I mean, and then graduate ownership, to the next level and say, I'm ownership. going to get my home loan. Instead of getting a house to my, you know, my dreams, I'm going to get a duplex. I'm going to live in one side. I'm going to rent out the other side. The rent out of the other side pays the mortgage, which allows me to save more of my money. And now I can start to scale up and invest. But it's a protracted struggle. I didn't get successful in music till I was 35. I was just my 17th year in music. But all the lessons I learned while I struggled. I applied once I got an opportunity to, you know, so I'm proud to be a part of an institution that like my grandparents shows black people and brown people. Absolutely. If I'm willing to work hard, if I'm willing to keep my nose to the grindstone, if I'm willing to learn and be intelligent about my coin, that there's a possibility because I never knew we were rich until yeah. my wife who grew up in the housing projects said, y'all niggas was rich. And I said, I said what, what, what you talking about? She said, y'all had an RV. Y'all got to drive to Tampa to go fishing with. And I'm like, yeah, I, but I say other people are. She said, no, that's rich. Ooh, but I love that because 
Your grandparents were intentional about creating a wealth also in experience. Right. Absolutely. It's not just and this is what I think that generational having a little bit of money, but being able to sacrifice so that you can save. They exposed Absolutely. you to experience that made you Absolutely. a real child of this country. That's incredible. That's what this bank is going to do yes. for, for the unbanked, for the people who live in bank deserts, for the kids who are only um, moving around via PayPal's and things of that nature. Now, this is going to give them an opportunity to be banked yeah. and, and as black people, especially as we people owe it especially. to our children. To yeah. teach them from the mistakes we've made so that they do not have to repeat them. It is time to have open and honest dialogue and conversation. I spent too much money on the car I bought. I bought too much Carl Kanai Fubu <laughs> when I should have saved. I should have yeah. just bought yeah. some Fubu. Yeah, we all made mistakes. Let's take all the information from the mistakes that we've made and let's be honest with them so that when we say now this is what we're going to do, they understand you're speaking from a place mm -hmm. of experience mm -hmm. and not just a place of con con condemning them or a place of judgment on them. And I love to hear you say that because you talk openly also about your mistakes and the sacrifice you've made because, you know, especially for someone being so successful in the entertainment industry, people, and especially in a city like Atlanta, there's a lot of flash, there's a lot of pizzazz, <laughs> but... But here you are saying like, my goals are bigger than what I'm purchasing today. And it's sacrifice. And this is something that I love to hear being repeated over and over in our community because there is sacrifice for tomorrow's bigger goals. And they are always bigger than a pair of J's, you know, yeah. maybe that flashy car and probably a chain, but you have to be able to be willing to make those sacrifices. Yeah, man, I, I and I, I surround myself with like-minded people. I was in the studio with um, Honorable C-Note last night, who's mm. a great brother, right? Produces for Two Chains, produces for me, is produced for Goose, has produced for some of the greatest guys coming out of the city. And he was ordering um, an amazingly beautiful, expensive car. Hey, and um, here's the thing. I'm not saying we don't like nice things or we don't deserve no, 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 nice no, no, no. things. No, 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 it's just, it just, I had never had this kind of conversation with him. I said, see, what's up with the, um, what's up with the car? I said, I thought you didn't deliver. He said, man. I got a few more years. I get that car, man. I put my stuff in investments, and I look like <laughs> you, you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you too. And so it's it's it's. I say that because yeah. as young singers and dancers and athletes and stuff, we're going to have a tremendous opportunity to get yes. our hands on a lot of cash quickly. Don't forget to be patient about what you want. It's like when you go to Toys R Us when you were a kid, and your mom's like, "You can get one thing." Yes. So you spent most of the time walking through like, what do I really want? Oh my gosh, I remember those days. Yeah, like, I, but it puts you in a position where you had to understand the level of importance and what yeah. I want. And I, and I just want all of you all to know, we can, we must, we will. We can do better. We must do better and we will do better. Don't be so hard on yourself. Start small and yeah. try. So before you go get a food truck, get a food cart. Yes. The food cart does well. You, you you grow that to the food truck. The food truck does well. You grow it to brick and mortar. But do not go out um, and put everything into one thing so quickly That's that so after true. you after if it doesn't work out, you have nothing minus or plus you don't have the confidence. The confidence and in information. Study stuff. My wife is better at me in business because my wife is constantly studying business. Don't mean I don't have good business instincts. Yeah. But she is going to know what the comps in the area are. She's going to know what are the rental, what, what she's going to know everything to the point when I be sending to me, just quiet. I just like the building. I thought it was, I thought it'll make a nice store, you know, 
but she gets it. So I want to tell people she's to studying. do that. She takes the time to study it. And to also, yeah. like, you know, to your point, what you're saying is, you know, this idea of, like, overnight sensations, it's honestly, yeah. it's about the base hits. You get to first. You Come sit on. on first. You get Come to on. second. You sit on second. You get to Come third. On. And you're home. And guess what? You're up to bat again. It's not no. this, oh, my gosh, I hit it out the park. And you have to be okay with sitting on first. You do. And don't chase every trend. I learned that listening to Warren Buffett. You know, decide the things that you're on and be on those things. Yeah. Right? Make sure those things have proven themselves too. My grandfather told me when I was young, he said, you don't own nothing you can't you can't put in a cup and measure. Right. He was he was mm. giving me that example about investments. And even though I had got into other stuff, so he owned stocks and stuff, primarily what he was trying to tell me was buy land. So mm. part of my portfolio, a big part is just land ownership. Yep. Then I got into stocks and stuff. Once I got in, I got into stocks because I didn't know anything I learned, I started asking people, start listening to Warren Buffett interviews, start listening to Charlie Munger, start understanding, oh, so this is like buying, but this is on the Okay. And I got into that. A lot of the other stuff, I, I'll call Paul on. Paul, what is cryptocurrency? How does this work? So don't be afraid to be a student. Don't be afraid to be ignorant about some things. The stuff that you know, the stuff that has proven itself worthy, lean into those things, and then you can grow and get sexier. But from a very rudimentary level, um, I try to stay as close to the old folks as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I watched that um, Buffett didn't even invest outside of America until about 10, 15 years ago. He knew the companies here. He did that. So let's just teach each other more. Let's share information more. Let's get together once a month and have business parties. I love this. I love this. It's almost like having mastermind groups, right? This is what we want to be able to facilitate and foster at Greenwood. You tune into a podcast, you make comments, and we get to share other like-minded mindsets to take us to the next level. Mike, I definitely want to touch on something that is very dear to your heart and the hearts of many Atlantans. You are an activist and you have been on a platform that is not just big here in Atlanta, it's traveled across the whole world. But I really feel like activism and financial wealth and wealth building are intertwined. Do you want to talk about the importance of that for you, especially in these past couple of months and this year? So I grew up in the Collier Heights. People Google that, please, so you'll understand the significance of that. It's a community started by Black people for Black people. It was so black, they put clubs and bars in their basement because they didn't want to take money to white folks' clubs on them, right? They were they were all about them. And now that's everybody from black people like my grandparents, who was a nurse and a dump truck driver. Uh, my grandfather drove dump trucks. My grandmother was a nurse. That's everybody from Herman Russell, who's the largest black real estate developers. Billy and Cynthia McKinney lived there, the King family, um, the mom and dad. So that's a diverse group of people. Yes. And what I've learned is it takes all types, right? Um, if you don't have Herman Russell or you don't have Mr. Cato, the numbers man, mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of civil rights marches because white corporatists are not going to pay for a civil rights march. White liquor runners ain't going to pay for a civil rights That's march. Right. It took black men and women of means to underwrite that. It wasn't just black actors, you know, it wasn't just Belafonte, who was an amazingly amazing hero, took a lot of local jokers you would never hear about. Yep. Local people with lots of money that wanted to remain anonymous in terms of marching, but their money was not anonymous. Their money underwrote it. Mm -hmm. So I learned living in my community, like Peter Green say, you can't do nothing if you're broke. <laughs> nothing. Can't do nothing but sit there and think about it. I oftentimes am approached by my black sisters and brothers 
that are into Marxism, socialism, things mm -hmm. of that nature. I can find a look good in every system because black people are on the bottom in every system, right? Don't matter to me which system we in. I've been around the world four times. Everywhere I go, the people look like us on the bottom. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you is this. No other system have I seen provide the opportunity that my great-grandparents had to acquire land provided the opportunity for my family to keep the land and provided opportunity for someone like me to come out of a working class section called mm -hmm. Carl Ice and now be one of the most successful and influential people. Not because my family was a good family and in with the black bourgeoisie of the talent in, but because I worked my butt off. I understood my own proclivity, some of my shortcomings and what I was good at. So yes. I tried to spare my shortcomings. I tried to do better what I was good at. All of this opportunity comes from the fact that I understand my position. So what I want Black people to know especially is it is possible. It may take longer. Life is not fair. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are systemic things that are going to get in your way, but you are strong enough, capable, creative enough to do it. And we have to understand that it is going to take Black capitalism too. Yes. Now, I know Fred Hampton is one of my heroes. My mother made me read Fred Hampton's book at 15 years old. My mother also sold a lot of drugs and was a successful capitalist. God bless the dead. My mother, though, wanted me to understand the mentality of a revolutionary, but she said in this practical day-to-day -day basis, a man, a black man, especially without money or mm. means or trade mm. or business, is going to be treated <clears throat> worse than a feral house cat, worse than a rabbit dog. So I understood that to take care of my wife, to take care of my children, to take care of my state is one of the most noble things I can do. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, as black people, take care of yourself first and take care of your community, we're going to be left beggars. I talked to my brothers yes. that are socialists and sisters that are communists, and I'll say, well, send me a link to see the information. I want to see the information. And I'll go to the link information and they're asking for donations. Well, how am I going to donate if I don't participate in capitalism? There you go. And people are so afraid of this word capitalism, but I love you. It's black capitalism. Yeah, it, it is. I call it compassionate capitalism because I give right back to the community I'm from. When you look at Stokely Carmine, mm. brother was just amazing. Spent his life working for us, got cancer, yep. incurable cancer, wanted to die at home in Africa. Of all the organizations that this man has started, all the organizations he had been a part of, it took Mike Roberts a black billionaire, hotel financier, wireless, wireless mogul. It took him putting together a fundraiser right. of black capitalists right. to get our brother home. Yeah. And our brother wasn't pro-capitalist. Our brother wasn't pro-capitalism. He wasn't pro-black capitalist. But in the end, it took black people who understood the power of coin to take care of him. So whether we agree, this is just for black people who may or may not agree with me. Mm -hmm. I just need you to know I love you enough to first take care of myself to make sure my health and wealth is good. I love you enough to take care of my wife and children so they're not a burden on you. That's but I love you enough. Should your way not work out, I want to be part of the safety net that saves us. Yep. Greenwood is the first of many things I wish to do. There's no reason 40 million people in, in America that are black people, 20 million of us are employed, right? At least 20, 25 million are employed. There's no reason we don't have $10 a month to send to a fund. Yep. to take care of Asada Shakur, Mumia Abu-Jamal. $10, that's it. That's $250 million or so that you begin a month. It's no reason we can't do it. We're just unorganized. We're just but the minute we start to learn to organize ourselves with our checkbooks, we start to organize ourselves in terms of our finance and our phone, that little bit of let me organize yeah. myself turns into I can better organize with my neighbor, turns into I can better organize with my community. Now we can better organize as people.
And that's what I hope to see in my lifetime. I love this. I love this. And Killer Mike, you and your family continue to not just walk the talk. You are doing all sorts of things that are really moving our family for our families forward, our communities Absolutely. forward, not just here in Atlanta, but you know, it's, it spreads and ripples all across this country. So I thank you. I wish you guys the best and continued success. Killer Mike, you just came in here and dropped all the gems and mics. I can't take it. <laughs> Love, love and respect. Go Greenwood guys. Thank you. Here at Money Moves, we plan to keep on dropping as many jewels of knowledge as we can to help build financial literacy and wealth and success for all of our communities. So make sure you keep tuning in to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood as we continue to explore all the ways we can keep making our money move. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.